back folks, so last time we were with Kilkeel's finest with Dave McElveen, but this week we're with Portadown's finest, isn't that right John? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're with Portadown's finest, John Graham. John, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Big Fella. Thanks very much. Thank, thank you. you. I've heard John preach many, many a time and God really, really uses this man, um, just like he uses all of us and he all gives us our own gifts. And so it's a real pleasure to have him on. I've heard your story before. You spoke at the 180 mission. That's right. And the amount of people who said to me after how they really related to it and found it encouraging and inspiring. And again, that's just a testament to how good God is, isn't it? And how, yeah. how he uses people. So John's going to talk a bit talk a bit about his life, talk a bit about his testimony, and then, or sorry, give his testimony. And then after that, we'll maybe ask him some questions. And uh, aye, so boss great. man, so great. Really. great. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks so much for ask me to come on and uh, to everybody that's listening thanks for tuning in and, and listening to this uh, so I guess uh, my story starts before I was born uh, my mum and dad uh, got married and they were married 13 years but they they didn't think they could have kids and uh, yes yeah, so they were, they were going through life and they weren't Christian people they went to church but they weren't Christians and they were prayed for at a meeting and they didn't think anything of it. They sort of just kept on going about things, and mm-hmm. they, were, they were prayed for. And then the next thing, mum went to the doctor, didn't feel very well, and the doctor said that she was pregnant. So that was me on the way. And uh, uh, yeah, so that was a, a big shock for them uh, after thirteen years. So mum and dad, obviously, then I came came on the scene. But mum and dad still weren't Christians. But dad, he went along to church every Sunday. And, and mum too, and whenever I was probably about five or six, uh, dad was sitting in Vinnie Cash, and the minister preached a sermon, and dad shook his hand at the door on the way out and said, that was a good sermon. And the minister says, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so it just hit dad straight, straight, and dad just, he was like, right, okay. And uh, the dad's a lorry driver, so he was in the in the lorry and thinking about it, and just really convicted. Uh convicted knew that he needed to get saved knew that he needed to ask the lord to, to forgive him of his sin and he did and he got converted and then within a couple of weeks mum then was listening to i think it was tapes then it wasn't cds and uh i was listening to a tape of a meeting and uh then mum got converted mum got saved uh asked the lord to save her so that was mum and dad both converted in a couple of space of a couple of weeks so uh yeah and then Obviously, I was going along to church, been sent along, and I went along to our holiday Bible club, uh, Finney Cash, and I remember sitting there, and there was a hymn, or a little course, you can whisper in a crowd to him, God answers prayer, mm-hmm. and I don't know, for some reason that just really hit me, and so obviously the spirit was working on, on my heart, and then the lady that was doing our holiday Bible club, who still does her holiday Bible club, uh, a, a lady Glennis, an absolute legend of a woman, she's a lovely, godly woman, her and her husband, Cecil, uh, serve every year at Finney Cash. And Glennis said, if if anybody would like to come and speak to me a little bit about um, being a Christian or what that looks like or, or just to pray with them, you can do that during the break. So everybody else heads out for crisps and juice and uh, I stayed in. And Glennis said to me, uh, John, did you pray the little prayer, you know, at the end of the, the, end of the talk? And I said... Uh, I did, but I was lying. <laughs> Telling a lie, it wasn't a good start. <laughs> but uh, she, I think she knew, <laughs> and she said, uh, "Well, sure, we'll just we'll pray here and and explain the gospel to me, uh, 
in a really simple way that we had to trust in Jesus and ask him to forgive our sins and that, that, that we would live for him then the rest of our lives. And uh, so she prayed with me and that was, I guess, the first moment that I really uh, realized that uh, I was a Christian. And so, yep, brought up then a Christian family, going along to Vinny Cash every week, going along to youth club, uh, sent to the little brother and making on a Monday night down in uh, Scott Street uh, with all my mates down into their junior C on a Wednesday night, Friday night youth club, Sunday's church, and then little afternoon Sunday school down in uh, the Richmond Old School. So I was getting great material, you know, from people uh, right across the board that were really trying to help uh, disciple me as a, as a young child and then into my teenage years. Uh, going through school was fine, went to Richmond, grand, uh, no issues, Christian primary school, into Clowna Junior High, great Christian teachers there, a uh, little woman, Mrs. Clark, she had a, a prayer meeting every week in her classroom, the RE teacher, and mm-hmm. there's only a few of us would gather for pray, prayer, and uh, but it was, a, it was a great time, it was encouraging, and I never really had much opposition, because I was a bit bigger staff than <laughs> everybody else, I was every year put on a stone, so whenever I was 12, I was 12 stone, 13, 13 stone, and I think it grew quick, so nobody gave me any bother, no, nobody, nobody was messing about or, or mm-hmm. giving a stick, um, played rugby, played sport and, and had plenty of friends so it was it was fine, you know. Then left Clowna <coughs> into Portadown College and again the same, involved with rugby, playing rugby uh, and at that stage going along to Edenderry CE, one of the men in, in first Portadown, one of the elders there, Gilly Carson. Gilly runs Edenderry CE and uh, very, very thankful for that because I guess at that stage in life you can go one or two ways, you, know, you can either follow the Lord or you can maybe get drawn into things this world and see was really really helpful uh, we had great times on a Saturday night there with maybe 150-200 young people <clears throat> coming along and, and listening to great preaching and being able to sing God's praise and then just have a bit of crack you know mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> go and get a pizza or a chip and bring it back into CE and mm-hmm. Gilly was always there first talked away to us and it was just a, that was a really really helpful time me and my, my mates Thomas and Jason Gordon would have went along that every week. But yeah, Portland College, floating through Portland College just being a Christian, probably <clears throat> probably didn't take it as, as serious as what it could have, my faith. Um, but wasn't doing anything wrong either, you know, just mm. just ticking along um, and playing a lot of rugby. And then it came to our placements, you know, you have to get work experience. Mm-hmm. So hadn't a clue what I wanted to do. Just wanted to play rugby. I was praying that the Lord would use me as a rugby player. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Trimble was playing for Ulster and he was speaking. He, he, he had spoke at CE and, you know, you were like, oh, that's, that'd be great <laughs> if he could use me in that way. Uh, but you had to go do a placement. So spoke to the teacher. She said the last time that somebody went with a local politician, they got to go over to uh, Westminster. I was like, happy days. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So uh, got... Uh, uh, applied to that, applied to the politics, uh, to the politician's office. Didn't get to go to Westminster, get, got to go to Stormont, which was still great. Uh, uh, met Big Ken Reid, and uh, it's just like, this is great. And I guess that was the start of me uh, kind of pursuing politics a little bit. <clears throat> Worked for uh, that uh, party for a little bit and started studying politics at school uh, in my A levels and really, really enjoyed it. And my friends then got involved in it. And, so uh, on one hand, I was playing lots and lots of rugby, got involved in the Ulster uh, set-up, under-17s, under-19s. And then on the other hand, I was 
uh, following this politics and, and the political side of things. Mm-hmm. So applied to university, got into University of Queen's to study history and politics and was still torn what I was going to do. Was it good enough to play rugby or would I follow the politics? Uh, so started playing rugby, played rugby all summer between uh, upper sixth and starting university. Got into the Queen's team, playing for Queen's and all the rest of it. And, uh, playing for the Ulster setup, got involved in the sub academy. Mm-hmm. So some of the boys playing with, uh, like Ian Henderson, Paddy Jackson, all the boys were training every week, and I was really enjoying that. But the summer of the under twenties with Ulster setup, I had to make a decision: was I going to play rugby or was I going to follow a career? And uh, Kyle McCall was playing ahead of me. He was, I was still playing prop at that stage, and. I was thinking to myself, look, I'm going to train here for another full summer up and down the road and I don't know if I'll get starting. So I decided to give the, the rugby up, which I really regret, but <laughs> I decided that I would give it up to follow a career in politics because yeah. you're less likely to get your leg broken and <laughs> whatever you're playing or whatever you're doing uh, in politics. So <laughs> I thought I'd have a longer career in politics. So give the rugby up, just play it for Queens and then sign for Portadown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I wish I probably should have kept that on. But anyway, I thought I was going into politics. So I followed that. And then over the next course of the next couple of years, uh, I started to feel called to ministry. I guess I'd felt called to ministry. If somebody had asked me in primary school, what did you want to be? I'd have said a soldier or a, or a minister. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. I think I like playing with action men or whatever. And <laughs> I thought I'd be maybe a soldier. Yeah. But that, yeah, that was never going to happen. And... Uh, then people kind of laughed, you know, you said a minister, why would you ever want to be a minister? And mm. So that goes away and it did go away. And then when I was 16, I kind of thought a little bit more about the ministry again. I felt that the Lord was calling me into it. And, but again, I ignored that for rugby and I ignored it then for politics. And then in the middle of the politics stuff, as it was starting to get serious and potential to run and stand as a candidate and all the rest of it, uh, I felt this call again. And in what, I, what I was reading in scripture sermons that I was listening to it was like the Lord is calling me into ministry here mm-hmm. um, no peace with it I remember a Queen's going along and doing the nightlight outreach there it was called Late Love at that stage and just a real sense of the Lord calling me one evening as well and that and everything was building up you know and starting to do little talks and speak of things and people were saying you know what about ministry anyhow ended up down in Drogheda at a girl's birthday party uh, at a roller skate park somewhere in Drogheda really <laughs> randomly and I met Andrew Mullen so we're in McDonald's in Drogheda and somebody said, John, you're thinking about ministry, aren't you? And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, I think I'm called or feel like I'm being called to ministry. And like, well, Andrew Mullen, he's the minister in Mourne and there he is sitting over there. So <laughs> you should speak to him. I didn't know Andrew at all. So I went over and spoke to Andrew and he said, look, John, why didn't you come down to Mourne someday? I was like, where is Mourne? <laughs> he's like, it's Kilkeel. I was like, right, no bother. <laughs> he's like, beside Cranfield. <laughs> and the only time I've been in Kilkeel was for a Chinese whenever you're Cranfield. Like. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he says, look, come down and talk, you know, Mr. Bingham and, and myself. And went down and spent the day with them and coffee. And I we were out doing a few visits. I think Andrew was doing bits and pieces. And he said, right, well, why don't you think about doing Cornhill? I said, never heard of Cornhill. He says, right, here's the number. Phone that guy. Say that you're going to come down some Monday. Sit in on class. See what you think. Take it from there. So long story short, loved it. Ended up going to Cornhill. Uh, and coming to Moore on placement for a year and I absolutely loved it and that was the start of me exploring ministry so the politics and I had taken a total backseat I'd left politics um, during that time as well someone had said to me they were 
give me advice on it and they call and they say John if you can do anything else do it I was like that's the worst advice ever you know you could do anything like you could anything you could do anything you get a job somewhere <clears throat> but the longer time went on I knew that actually that made really really good sense and that was good wisdom and I couldn't do anything else apart from ministry mm-hmm. so love my year Cornhill uh, applied to uh, ministry ended up working for another couple of years as a community outreach worker in Portadown Freedom Down Ministries which I absolutely loved it was great we got to do so many different things we had a little church plant going kids club we had uh, foreign national outreach playing basketball doing a bible study with Polish guys uh, a drop in ministry we had a, a nightlight ministry in Portadown just loads of different things that were happening schools ministry so it was a great couple of years mm-hmm. and then into into uh, PCI, into the Presbyterian Ministry, in the Union, started Union, and now fast forward three years from that, and I've just finished, and I've started my assistantship in Hill Street in Lurgan. So the Lord has been so good through all of that, um, and things were fairly normal for most of it, apart from I guess uh, one of the biggest things in my life that's happened was uh, my mum not being well. So <coughs> mum. Uh, took on well, uh, probably upper sixth of Portland College, and was unwell really for the next number of years uh, until first year of college, and whenever she took really unwell, it was uh, she took a couple of diseases in her lungs, and uh, so she really struggled with her breathing. And mum was big crack, like all the boys were always here up around the house, and she loved having the boys around and uh, loved people, but as the illness got worse she just couldn't do as much and um, so our life changed you know mum couldn't come watch me play rugby instead our life revolved around going to the doctors and <laughs> doctor's appointments and taking mum to the doctors or going to the hospital to get bloods done or you know get treated for another infection and maybe a two-week stint in the hospital and then out well started maybe a one-week stint in the hospital then out and then it would take a little bit longer two weeks and then out and three weeks and then out and uh, you, you know, over a course of <clears throat> a few years, you just watch your mum get weaker and weaker. And I guess that started. We were actually out on a, a lads' holiday. Uh, we, we had went out to Spain, was it? And uh, first time, first time I heard my dad cry, I got a phone call, and he said to me, he says, "John, it was about halfway through the holiday, right for a week, me and the boys." And he said, uh, "John." your mum's not well she's in intensive care in hospital and we have a flight for you booked home uh, tomorrow morning um, and uh, the doctors don't know what way it's going to go here and I was like right so came home mum was in intensive care at that stage that was I think I was 20 uh, she was in intensive care for uh, about four weeks and then in hospital for another two three months and then got home again. But, she, you know, good days and bad days. You know, she, there was periods where mum was really good as well. But um, good for her still wasn't normal, you know, for yeah. us. But <clears throat> then, anyhow, that all it escalated. And she got worse and she got worse and got worse. And couldn't walk very far. And really frustrated. But in the middle of it, mum was a Christian. You know, she was a strong Christian. She was faithful to the Lord. Um, couldn't get out to church as regularly as she would like to. But able to listen to sermons here in the house. And... Mm. You know, pray every night. Every night you had to pray. We had to pray together. You know, uh, family prayer time, and that was a blessing. You know, sometimes it's a chore. You know, you're saying, 
fuck mum. <laughs> but you know, the end days were great days, and many's a night the three of us got to pray together. Some nights it was just me and mum, or some nights it was just dad and mum, and uh, always, always had to have Psalm ninety one read. Uh, really, really clung on to Psalm ninety one. She loved Psalm ninety one. Anyway, <clears throat> really came to head. It was last Friday night of the rugby season. So Friday night lights, pour it down. One of the few times you get to play under the floodlights, to pour it down. Last league match of the season. Dad went to youth club. I went to play rugby. Mum was here in the house and she had been for a scan and had a couple of morphine patches on. So she wasn't just at herself with the, the morphine. She cracked a few ribs and anyway, everything was fine. Dad would be away for a couple of hours. I'd be away for a couple of hours and then we'd be back and everything was okay. But uh, mum got a phone call from a granny to say she was coming down to visit and mum forgot that granny had a key so she got up to open the door and whatever happened she, she tripped and she fell and broke her leg and really badly broke it in two or three places so went into hospital and no one wanted to operate on her um, they thought it was too big of a risk but she needed an operation on her leg just if she wanted to survive really uh, at all and anyway they decided that right will operate uh, and they couldn't give her the anaesthetic they had to give her an epidural just because of her chest you know it was too big of a risk so they got one side of it pinned and plated and typical mum fashion uh, the doctor says her look we've one side done we're not sure if we do the other mum says keep her lit <laughs> keep her lit so they operated on <clears throat> and got it fixed and that was all right. She really, that was desperate for her. Tough time. She struggled with that. And, and uh, that was, I don't know what time. That would have been about March. That would have been April, maybe, the end of the rugby season. So we rode to recovery then, trying to get her back on her feet. And she wasn't great on her feet with the chest. And got her home after a long spell in the hospital. And, you know, you're, there was uh, the different things for moving her about. The serostatia is called this thing that brings her up and down. And, trying to get strength back in the foot and mum was fighting hard but the chest was weak and then mum went back into hospital with another chest infection and it just got worse and worse couldn't get this couldn't get rid of this chest infection she got home for two days and like we're like a normal family you know mum and dad and myself just the three of us but and with the normal family issues that every family has and the frustrations but the way that my dad loved my mum and cared for mum uh, was very special and reflected something of me, something to me of what it means to be, or how Christ loves the church. You know, in some little way, there was a some little shadow of that. Dad was so good. He'd come home from the lorry and uh, every evening and working hard all day. And, you know, mum would, wouldn't be able to get up to get a drink or whatever. And dad would pour juice and look after her so, so well. And, uh, he, he, so anyway mum got home from hospital for two days I think in the middle of it all and the smile on dad's face you know just to have mum back in the house was I'll never forget it I'll never ever forget that it was beautiful and uh, anyway then mum slowly went downhill and she passed away then in, in hospital uh, on the 25th of October and I was first year at Union just started my training for, for Bible College uh, and mum mum was 55 at the time but uh, yeah difficult days like in the hospital you know I was dad would do the night shift or the morning shift he would sit with mum all day and then I'd come in and back from college get a shower get something to eat and then over to the hospital and sit with mum during the night and 
great days, you know, some really, really great days. One of the things that stand out to me, one of the things that stands out is I got to read our John 14 with mum, let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house for many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, take you to be with myself. And just some really special moments, you know, in that and great, great memories. Uh, mum, mum used to kind of use the board as her, her little outreach station, you know. She uh, <laughs> she knew every nurse by name in Two North. And the ladies there, I couldn't speak highly enough of the ladies in Two North. They were like a family to us. And because we were in so regular, mum was pretty much in that whole last year of her life. Um, so they were all like sisters to mum. And come in and mum would know all their kids by name and what's going on in their lives. And they'd all come in to mum and have a bit of a... Uh, but a crack and chat for you know 10 minutes get their head shard and then back out onto the ward and they were so good to us we loved them and the doctors there they were great they were so kind um, but difficult difficult days you know to watch your to watch someone that you love so much their strength just fading away and watching them slowly dying and them struggling with that but still clinging on to the lord they were very important and special days for us as a family and for me and think has helped me care for people in the ministries. You know, I have a great privilege of going along and sitting at bedsides and going to visit people who have lost loved ones and it's honestly an honour to be able to open up God's word and point people and read John 14 or read First Peter 1 or Psalm 91 or whatever it may be, Revelation 21, whatever passage of scripture and pray with people who are hurting and who are struggling, but pointing them to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And mum had that hope. You know, mum's little way, she knew she knew things weren't well and wasn't good. And she would, she would say to me, John, it's hard to say goodbye at the river. That was mum's little way of phrasing it. That was her little phrase of being able to, being able to cope with it. And uh, yeah, she was a strong, she was a strong woman. And then dad, you know, dad's faith has held firm, even though, the lady that he has loved, you know, mm. they were, mum was married at 18 and a half and dad was 21, you know, and uh, had to celebrate wedding anniversaries in the hospital, the cake and all, you know, <laughs> but that was just our life and yeah. <clears throat> boy, he loved her and she loved him and it was just, it was just great. They were a great witness to me and I'm so, so thankful for them. And yeah, I suppose afterwards, Stefan, you know, I was walking through Asda one day shortly after mum had passed away and uh, I was looking at people that were the same age as mum you know ladies that were in around the same age as mum and thinking to myself oh like that should be me and mum you know should be going out for a coffee you know the way everybody puts it up on their Instagram they're out for a coffee with their mum or or whatever it may be or we're going here for a feed or whatever it is or holidays and we just didn't get to do some of them things and I was looking at these other ladies thinking Oh, that could have been me and mum, but that wasn't what the Lord had planned for us, you know. Mm-hmm. We had just a different a different life, and it was no worse, you know, it's just different. And uh, yeah, because of sin, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just sin, broken world, and a fallen world. And we thank the Lord so much that we have something to look forward to this hope that He'll make all things new. There'll be no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain. 
because the former things will have passed away. So that's kind of a snapshot into my life, very briefly. I don't know how long that has taken, but um, that's a, a little bit of an idea of what's been going on. Uh, three years of college then, it's been great. And just tried to work hard and now yeah. into the assistantship. And, lots of studying. Yeah, <laughs> lots and lots of, lots of essays, lots of questions on the Westminster Confession of Faith. and uh, it's, But it's been great. Like It's been so, so good where... Honestly, it's been a privilege to study there. The men that are teaching and the ladies that have uh, taught us Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that was tough. And uh, but it's been great, a really good experience. You know, I've I couldn't speak highly enough of the college and yeah. Stafford and all all the ones that are there. It's been a, it's been a great and the Queen students, great times with the Queen students. You know, there was a girl who came to faith in our time there. Um, it was brilliant, brilliant to see and really encouraging getting to see people from loads of different areas. You know different churches, different backgrounds, come and study in theology, worshiping the Lord. Some people um, still struggling with that, trying to figure out Christianity, but they're there to study and mm-hmm. an amazing opportunity. So, yeah. yeah. And got to play football too, which was always a highlight. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Well, actually, you know what, before, I just want to ask you about all that, like, union and study and all that, but just before we move on, um, I want that to ask you about your mum, because I know there are some people who are um, listening in who are having the same struggles, people aren't well people are very very close to them and um, I know it's hard for you to talk about, I'm sure it's not easy but um, is there anything you'd want to say to them people, anything from the word or just anything at all because I know it's, I can't imagine personally what that's like but maybe hearing someone like yourself and what you've gone through and, and you can just hear and how you're talking there John, like how God is right in the centre of all that and your mum's a testament to that mm. isn't she like how God was always right at the heart of it like yeah I, I guess for, for people I would say hold on to knowing that God is good never ever doubt that he is a good good father um, he is faithful and kind and grace like he is full of grace and his mercy and Psalm 91, your mum's favourite psalm, uh, it says, Psalm 91 verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then two verses from Psalm 91 I hold on to, and mm. we as a family held on to them. Actually, they're on the bottom of the, the, the headstone in Finney Cash, because... Uh, whenever it came to picking the headstone I said to dad look I think we should put Psalm 91 on a the, couple of verses on the yeah. on the headstone because mum loved them so much and it's a witness then for anybody who comes to you know to, to the grave but know that God is good and that is love as the scripture says love endures forever and first Peter first Peter chapter one first Peter chapter one is such an encouragement you know it, it talks about how we have this living hope we're born again if 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 you're listening and something's going on in your life first peter chapter one and verse three through to nine it talks about we're born again to this living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ and then it talks about this inheritance that is imperishable undefiled unfading guarded in heaven for you that even though you struggle now even though you struggle you will rejoice mm. because you haven't seen him but you'll love him yeah um and peter's just really honest there life is tough and that's what i've come to know you know, as a young person, you grow up and you think life's sweet all the time. No, no issues. <laughs> you get your dinner on the table and everything's yeah. sweet. You play play a sport and you're loving life. But actually, 
you come to realize pretty quickly that life is tough for most people. Mm-hmm. Every family has a story or an issue or somebody not well. So life's tough. And Peter says it here in First Peter that life's tough, but in the middle of it all, know that you have hope and mm-hmm. that God is guarding your inheritance for you. You will come to be with him through the living hope that is Jesus Christ, the resurrection from the dead. So hold on, keep your eyes focused on him. Who's the lifter of our head? It's God. Where does our help come from? Help comes from God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, know that he is good and, yeah. and trust him. Just trust him. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that is really, really encouraging just just listening to you and seeing you just cling on the scripture because that's what we're all doing, mm-hmm. isn't it? We're clinging to God. We are completely nothing without him. And we saw something really beautiful in that, that in our weakness we're made strong mm-hmm. through him. Sure. You know, and, and in those hard times, because there are times where we do feel just completely helpless and desperate, but yet he's our strength and he's the one who carries us through that. So even just listening to you there talking about what was the transition like from, uh, you went to Portland College, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. What was the difference? You were talking about being a Christian there, and then what's the difference, that or that transition even from going from there into somewhere like Queens, and even for your own Christian friends, because mm. that's something that, ever, that in Northern Ireland people really, really seem to struggle with, is that like, you know, they're a Christian through high school, they're going to SU, they're going to youth fellowship in church, and then a lot of the time you see them going to university, so many fall away. Mm. Um, what was that like for you? Yeah, I guess uh, it it worked out really well for me. I I picked the Stan Elms village. Mm. I had heard some dodgy stories about Elms. <laughs> but it was the first year the Queen's offered no drinking halls, so I clicked on the form or ticked the form that it, no drinking halls so that was 2000 and 2010 I think I went to uni first year so in the Elms and thank the Lord I got really really good flatmates you know and our floor so we, actually the three floors uh, it was in Chestnut we were staying in Chestnut and there's three floors on our side of the building and out of them three floors I think there must have been about 25 or 30 christians you know throughout it and it was amazing and we all became like best friends so the crack was great and right from the start i'd fell in with great fellows from ballamina i don't know what it is about portadown and ballamina folk but we seem to have this connection and uh <laughs> fell in with a few fellows from ballamina a few fellows from portadown a guy from dungannon and lisburn and and we all just chummed about so we're straight down into into the christian union and uh yeah the, the, the importance of friendship is is crucial there you know it's kind of a it's, a, it's a part in your life where young people sometimes think here, as the first time away from home, I could go buck mad, you mm. know. Mum and dad aren't about, they'll never know. And you maybe are looking forward to that experience and all the rest of it, but it's foolish, you know. It's foolish to turn your back on God and on faith. And you think that these things will give you life, you know. I'll get down to Belfast or I'll go across the water and I'll live my own life then and you search and and run after the things of the world you know these literally the bright lights of the world and you know you want to go out and you want to drink and maybe experiment you know experiment with drugs and make a lot of mistakes in relationships and all the rest of it and you chase after things and I think that happens maybe for can last for 10 years or more and then people reflect back and they're like what happened to me what where did where did that all go wrong and it's probably within the first week of the university you know you make a decision am i gonna i'm gonna say i'm a christian am i gonna go along to the christian union events am i gonna try and make christian friends 
or am I going to go out maybe with the people if you're in a, in a flat with people that don't know the Lord are you going to run with them mm. you know so that first week or two is probably a good test for where you're going to be um, yeah. for the rest of your time at uni but in saying that some people come and, and maybe go back on a decision you know maybe they, they run with the world for a year at uni and then come back again but yeah just stay strong be strong you know if you're a young man be a young man and actually have a bit of strength about you and say no like this is what i believe this is what i've been brought up with i know that's maybe different from you but i respect you for your decision mm. you respect me for mine and the people will be friends with you they're not going to isolate you you might feel like that for a night or two but have a bit of strength and if you're a young woman why not be a strong young woman and say no this is my belief i believe in the lord jesus christ I believe that he saves us from our sin he's the only answer to all the problems of this world and the brokenness so believe that believe that he has transformed you by his grace and don't just abandon him like why why would you run away and walk away from from the faith over a night out or you know uh, over lights or whatever it may seem to be the attractive thing at the time you know, yeah. be strong for him and you know I'd encourage the young people to do that you know absolutely and so so you were at uni you were looking at politics and yes history and politics <laughs> here's the best thing I think about that is that you could do a better job with the people that we have in Stroma right now because there's nobody in Stroma right now <laughs> no comment no comment do you want another job you? you'd, you'd be lagging more or what they are oh, right now oh dear um, <laughs> but I so you did politics then you did Cornhill then yes, after uni what was Cornhill like it was great, you know, Cornhill and Belfast there, amazing. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I did a full time, so four days a week, and just to have the Bible open every day, it was amazing. We're reading the Bible, reading scripture, talking about it, great classmates there, um, good banter, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I started drinking coffee, I'd never, <laughs> I'd never had a coffee really before, you know, poor down boy, always on the tea, and then you go up there and you're wrecked, so you have to start drinking coffee, and... It was just great. It was a great time to think through the things of Scripture and with some great teachers, Muir Casement there, who runs the course, so gracious. And, you know, he would make you prepare a talk and and he would graciously help you to improve that and um, just to wrestle with the things of Scripture, wrestling with doctrine and then looking at community outreach. How do you do, how do, you do kids' ministry? Mm-hmm. It was so diverse. It was great, you know, um, missionary work and with missionaries in with us. It was just brilliant. I loved it. And the highlight was probably having the, the year... That, to spend at Morn and learn so much from uh, William Bingham and, and Andrew Mullen, um, senior minister and, and uh, an associate minister there. The two men took me under under their wings, so to speak, and mm-hmm. um, showed me the ropes how to go out visiting at the start. The yeah. two, I'd go out and, and with William or with Andrew, they would sort of share me a week about. And um, just so many practical, helpful insights into ministry. And then they let me loose on the congregation and I was able to visit myself and, and just great people you know I, Stefan's obviously sitting there from Kilkeel and yeah. the people were really kind you know they just were so kind and welcoming mm-hmm. and uh, I loved that year that year was a great year and that the lessons that I learned there are still with me you know and I often remember advice that Andrew or, or William shared with me and I'm so so thankful for it um the Lord works, doesn't he? He's sovereign. Yeah. Do you know how? Like, who would have thought of meeting Andrew Mullen and Drogheda yeah. at a, some roller skating birthday party, and then McDonald's, <laughs> and end up, you know, end up at Cornhill, end up in in Moorn. Um, so I'm really, really thankful for my time there. Yeah, 
I probably am a bit biased because I'm from Horn. <laughs> just to me, it's like there's no place like yeah, it. But everybody say that with the home Horn. Yeah, that's right. No place like it. But um, okay, like I know in Horn people speak so highly of you and people loved having you there. You know, I know you're a very humble guy. You're not gonna sit here and blow your own trumpet. But that's just that's just um, people do appreciate the work that you do there. And um, as you say, you learned so much there. Obviously from Andrew and and William both. But so. You finished your time in Morn then. You're studying in Union. And uh, two, two, two years. Two years. Two years in Portadown uh, with Eden Down Ministries in between. Oh, yes, and that's then, right. I talked about yeah. that. So, great, like, uh, you know, a great experience for me. Uh, growing up, right? Growing up, and I'm 27 now, growing up just at the tail end of the Troubles and Portadown, a divided town. Um, but with this job, we had an opportunity. There was a, a kids' club on Gravaki Road, amazing, you know, amazing work going on there, work that's been going on for a number of years. And and that was great. I loved that. You know, it was just fantastic and a blessing to my heart to be able to work there, working with guys from Poland, playing basketball with them and just getting stuck in with these big lads that mm-hmm. love basketball. But then saying, right, boys, if we're going to play basketball, we're going to look at the Bible, right? So... Uh, doing a Bible study through John with them and slowly seeing them understand how grace works and who Jesus is and and all the things that he came to do and that was fantastic. English language classes were happening at the same time so meeting people from everywhere, Africa, Brazil, Portugal, everywhere. There were people from everywhere at them classes over the couple of years. Nightlight outreach, amazing, you know, out in the street of Portadown, Friday night and serving tea and coffee giving people some biscuits but mm-hmm. flip-flops as well for some of the girls with their high heels <laughs> and uh but so loving people really well trying to love people well making sure they get home safe but sharing the gospel with them yeah and people would say what are you doing this for and we'd say look we're just some christians from the town and we want to make sure that everybody's well on a friday night and that they get home safely but we want to tell you about jesus as well and fantastic conversations with a charity shop there in portadown and oh you know, you got to see the, the same people most weeks in their class. You know, you got to hear their stories and share your faith with them. And a couple of guys in particular sharing faith with and mm-hmm. seeing people get saved, people get converted. And um, it was it was just an amazing time getting to go into Kilgamean School, talk, talk to the young people there. And it was just, I, I loved it. I loved them two years. Taught me a lot, you know, it taught me a lot about how just how people work in many ways, you know again life being difficult for people and you yeah. hear their stories and you sit with them and you listen to them and and uh, you're trying to care for them people but ultimately you care for them by showing them Jesus Christ and you're yeah. constantly pointing people towards it so two really busy years brilliant I loved it um, and then into union yeah that's amazing like listening to that and hearing how you, know, you were saying you went through that hard time with your mum being mm-hmm. ill and dealing with that but then now you have that experience mm-hmm. that when you're talking to people, like you can't say, I know how you feel. Mm-hmm. Like you're not a complete stranger. You, you, you've you been there yourself. And like, I just, it blows my mind when I think about how good God is. That at times you don't see it and you think, well, how could this be any good at all? But then it's like, there you go. God uses you. Mm-hmm. He puts you in that position. And you just think like, wow. I remember being in school and I was the only Christian in my class. And it was so, so hard at times. And there's times I failed miserably. And I remember just thinking so many times, just being younger, thinking, like, God, why are you doing this? Like, 
I'm struggling so much here, like, I can't do this. And then now, speaking to people who are in the same position, and they say, and they're thinking and saying the exact same things that I was thinking, feeling discouragement at times as well. And I'm like, well, praise God that he put me through that now. You know, and it's only when you're you're forward and you're looking back, you're saying, God, it's just working in me. Like, it's... Yeah, and you can't figure it out at the time. You know, yeah. you're going through it, or you're going through the fires that says in Scripture, you've been tested, this genuineness of your faith, and you're just clinging on, you know. And you're, well, realistically, you think you're clinging on, but really he's holding you, and yeah. he'll never let you go. And, yeah. um, but yeah, it, well, yeah, there's maybe somebody listening, and you're really in the middle of it, and you're, you're feeling the, the stress of it all, and you're maybe thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can keep going here, but know that those who are in the Lord's hands, no one can snatch away. And mm-hmm. just trust him. Just trust him. You know, he's not going to let you go. He, he's he's called you and he's saved you. You know, he sent his son to, to die to save us from our sin. And he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, yeah, so just trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. And so I guess that takes us near to our kind of last couple of points. And, so you're on Hill Street now in Lurgan. Yep, yep, yep. You love them now, Yeah, so Portadown boy having to go to Lurgan, not simple. <laughs> but uh, honestly, it is great. You know, congregation there are so encouraging. Uh, Nigel McCullough, the minister, who killed Kielman originally, so there you go. Uh, another connection. Uh, Nigel's the minister there. He's great. Pete Wright, uh, youth worker there, so, so good. The session are so encouraging. All them, uh, the men there are, are fantastic. The whole congregation... Uh, everyone involved with it, they, they, they want to see you do well. You know, there's nobody standing on a Sunday waiting to give off to you. You yeah. know, there's nobody saying, "Oh, you did this wrong, or you did that." Now, people will give you feedback, of course, but everybody wants you to do well. Yeah. And I'm just really thankful that they've that they've taken me in, even though I'm a ported down man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the crack does be good. Uh, the crack does be good about ported down rugby club and Lurgan rugby club, and obviously ported down and Glenavon and all the rest of it but no it's a it's a great place the congregation is is doing really well and they have a passion for god's word you know they love god's word the people there and they they love they love god they love his word and they love the local people and they're really trying to connect into the local area and and they're caring for the local area and they just want to see more and more people come to know them as Lord and Saviour and uh, in fact across Lurgan all the churches most of the churches in Lurgan are are great they work well together and they have a passion for that town to see people saved and yeah. praise the Lord for that you know yeah. they, they, have a, they have a vision for it and the, the ministers are committed to praying for it and the churches are committed to praying for the people so uh, yeah no I'm very very thankful for the Lord and, and, mm. and where he's placed me and so you have a big you have a big weekend now, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right at the end of college here. So just got my results back this week, passed all the exams and all went well. And I get licensed. He licensed as a probationer for the ministry is what it's called. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, that's a this, that's this Sunday night. It's surreal. You know, the time just disappears and it's step by step. So two years from now, I'll be eligible for a call. Well, almost. It'll be the September of that year. And uh yeah, I'll be twenty nine and heading out to try and serve the Lord. And do you know, Stephen, like, I, uh, you, you, you can't believe it. You know, you look back in your life and you're like, God has been so, so good to me, and I just live for Him. So, 
yeah, I make mistakes, but like don't we all? You know, yeah. like we all mess up and get stuff wrong and have to learn over and over and over again. Yeah. And but as many days as he gives me on this earth, I I want to serve him, and I hope it, I hope I can, and yeah. I just want to remain faithful. You know, you look you look at men from the past. You look at like Sir Doctor McGahey, Doctor McGahey, what a faithful man, preaching as clearly and as well as he ever did, and. It means so much to him. You see that man in the pulpit and his great passion and yeah. maybe the tears are running down his face because he loves people and he wants yeah. them to know Christ. And that's an example. Do you know, that's, you know, if you can remain faithful your whole life and still have that passion and zeal and desire, that's, that's, that's I guess, the aim, you know, that you'd, that you'd preach, preach until he takes you home yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and love people until he takes you home, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just thinking as a fan, this was, if someone is here and they're not a Christian mm. and they're listening in, would you have anything to say to them and you want to share to them or anything at all? I guess uh, for me, I, I've some of my friends aren't saved and some of the boys down the rugby club and all, you know, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, why are you not a Christian? Have you ever thought about that? You know, why, if I, if I was to go into your workplace and ask you a question or go into school and ask you a basic question, and you said, I don't know, that wouldn't be acceptable. Like, it wouldn't be acceptable in a place of work and it wouldn't be acceptable in school on an exam, for example. But whenever it comes to the Lord, you ask people, why are you not a Christian? And they'll say, I don't know. And that's not good enough. You know, that isn't, it's not acceptable. Like, here's Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And you've heard about him. Do you know, maybe you've heard about him for years, but you've never actually really investigated it yourself. You know, you've never picked up the Bible and turned to the book of Mark and read it. You know, you can you can read Mark in half an hour, forty minutes. And pick it up, read it, and and mull it over and be like, is this right or is it not? Because it's the biggest decision of your life. You know, it's the biggest it's the biggest thing. Somebody asks you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or do you not? And to say I don't know or not to follow him is isn't a good enough answer. And uh, Acts, Acts chapter 4 says in verse 12 and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved so you know, if you're trying to save yourself by doing something you're relying on money, status, your family name your background, your heritage, your good works What it, I don't know what you're relying on to get into heaven because most people know that there's something else You know, in our hearts we know the scriptures tell us that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Mm. So we know there's something more. There's more to this life than just the the race of working, sleeping and repeating that year on year on year. We're made we're made as eternal beings and you know that there's something else. So explore it. There's no other name under heaven in which you will be saved. Mm. Cry on the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go along to church. Go along to wherever your local churches are and explore it. Give it six months, give it a year grab a Christian person that you know, ask them to read the scripture with you and ask them questions, explain it, but don't do nothing. You know, don't do nothing. Yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah, that would be probably what I would say. Yeah. And then just, would you have any words for those who are Christians listening in? Um, maybe even a word of encouragement, because I know even just speaking to people in my own life, there have been people who have been saved for years, but then sometimes they feel 
their faith just can stagnate or mm. just gets a bit, you know, they, they sort of lose that heart. You know, you're talking about that passion mm. that Dr. McGahey had there. That's right. You know, how do we keep that passion? Do you have any words for them or even any encouragement? Or yeah, I, I guess we all go through little phases, don't we, where, yeah. you know, our feelings are so are so flawed and they're really corrupt and sometimes we feel like we're close to the Lord and sometimes we feel like we're really far away and really our feelings are lying to us because whenever we're saved by his grace we can't be further away from him or closer to him we are held in his hand we are united to him through his son and by the spirit so I guess the the gospel we just have to look at the gospel afresh to see the beauty of it Ephesians chapter 2 I love Ephesians chapter 2 right starts off you're dead in your trespasses right you're totally dead you were finished sunk right mm-hmm. and then <laughs> verse four comes but god being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and that's the gospel isn't it that but of chapter four but god in our we were dead we were done but god in his mercy and his love came by the power of his son to save us to give us life to rescue us and having that stir our hearts again knowing who we are you know we forget who we are we get surrounded with the things of this world and they blur our vision and they cloud us and the fog of this world sets in around us as christians often and we start going through the motions and we've lost the heart you know we've lost our first love we've lost the passion of what jesus has done for us and it's just seeing that afresh it's actually reading that over and over again you know verse four and five there of ephesians 2 and saying wow this is me but god 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 has done this for me i didn't deserve it i i'm useless like i was dead apparently you know this is what scriptures say i was dead i was i was done and god made me alive he gave me life and not just life for a little bit but life eternal that no one can take it no one can take it away nothing no no scheme of man no 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 power of hell can ever take that away do you know we are his and he is and he is ours so that that love do you know i think one of the great images in, in the bible is justification adoption how do we think about that in clear terms well you stand before the judge imagine you have the death sentence hanging over you and the judge says i view you through my son jesus christ god says i view through my son jesus christ so he's perfect so i, I i'm clearing the death sentence He's bored for you, so you don't need to pay it. Jesus has paid the price, right? So the judge, you're just, right? Legally, you're just. Sweet. But then the judge comes off the seat, and he comes down, and he takes you, and he walks you out. He takes takes the chains off you, the chains of sin and all the baggage of the world, and he Mm -hmm. takes them off, and he says, I'm going to bring you home. He's not just the judge, but he's also your father. And he says, look, I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm bringing you into the living people, out of darkness into light. And I'm going to bring you into this beautiful family of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And he brings you into his wonderful house. And he shows you all your new brothers and sisters. And he gives you a new robe to wear that's perfect and spotless. And all your dirty clothes are gone. And he gives you a ring and he puts on this great banquet for you. And he says, now you have life here in this place. And he gives you the the run of this place. You know, this beautiful, beautiful kingdom. And he says, enjoy it. Enjoy the life. Now, Stefan, what happens often is that we run right to the edge of that kingdom <laughs> and we stand up on our tippy toes on the fence and look, try to look over the fence into, 
into this other kingdom of the world where it may look it's like a mirage it may look like there's life there but actually once you step over into that kingdom it's just death and it's mm. darkness and yeah. and it's um and it's all the things that that god has taken and saved us from so sometimes we need to be reminded not to stand on our tippy toes and look over the fence but to enjoy what god has brought us into and he has justified us he has made us right with himself and he's adopted us as our father and we get to call him abba father daddy father and pray to him and have access to the god who created the whole world it's amazing amen that is a beautiful thing well do you mind just finishing in prayer surely surely let's pray um heavenly father we thank you so much today for who you are father we thank you that you are a good god that you love us that you are kind towards us that your grace and your mercy abound And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters today. We pray for ourselves that you would continually remind us of the good news of the gospel. That is, it is life that you have granted us life. You've brought us from death. You've brought us from darkness. And that we would be a thankful people because of this. Father, help us. Help us in our walk. Father, help us as we follow your son. That we would be good disciples. That we would be teachable. That we'd want to learn from your word. And Father, help us to die to self help us to kill our old ways that we would not follow sin but that we would follow you that we would seek to be holy and father help us to love people really well help us to love your word and that we would live our lives as people who want to see others saved and who want to love them really well who have who we would be people of care for those around us so father encourage us today by the power of your spirit we thank you for it we thank you for the power that you've given us We pray for uh, people who don't yet know you, that they would see the beauty of the gospel, that they would see all that your son has done for them, how he went to Calvary and how he went to the tomb, but he is alive today, that he is risen and that he is our hope. So Father, write that on our hearts today. Help us uh, in our walk. Bless us and have your hand upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, thank you so much, mate. Cheers, buddy. Thanks very much. Well, Thanks for coming down to Port of Down, down to the Orchard County. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful Port of Down. I know, so, uh, yeah, everyone will be make sure they're praying for you this weekend. Um, and uh, you're coming back to the beautiful kingdom yes, of Morn next am, week, isn't I it? Yes, I am. My first sermon as a licentiate is going to be in Morn, so oh. next Sunday night. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> back to where well, kind of began, yeah, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you are. So, there you are, everybody. Um, anyone listening from the morning area, make sure, um, well, just try your best to get. I'm not, <laughs> not trying to force you out of your own church, but I'm just saying you're be more than welcome and mourn to hear John. Well, that's us, folks, and so we'll get the crowd soon. That's goodbye from John and me, right? God bless. <laughs>